welcome to the Universal Sisterhood Podcast. We're hoping to create a place where women can delve deeper, lift their gaze higher, live freer, laugh louder, smile brighter, and be the authentic woman she was designed to be. Every human heart has been created to be known, loved, and understood. So this is the place where women can share their stories. Welcome to episode 51. In this episode, I chat with Lizzie. She honours us with her story of struggling with an addiction to pornography and masturbation. In a society that's saturated with lust and over-sexualisation, this struggle, sadly, has become increasingly common. Lizzie courageously shares her story in the hope that it can help other women out there who feel that they're too weak to overcome their addiction. Lizzie's story is one of grace, humility, courage, perseverance and encouragement. I think you're going to be really, really humbled by Lizzie's story and know that if you have a struggle like this, you are not alone and there is no shame in running back to the arms of Jesus in the sacrament of confession. podcast Lizzie before we lose connection again and and uh, 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 put through the ringer could you please introduce yourself um, and give us a little background about who you are yeah absolutely um so my name is Lizzie I just graduated from college I went to the Catholic University of America in Washington DC um and I, yeah, so I have a blog called Just a Handmaiden, and it actually started um, with my passion for combining fashion and modesty and really redefining modesty um, within the um, modern world, but also within the church. Um, but as I've grown, as my faith has grown, my blog has really evolved into just being a space um, for vulnerability and for women and to just share my faith journey and my life journey. Um, so, yeah. That's a little bit about me. Thank you. And how old are you? Did we did we get that part? Yeah, I'm 23. 23. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, Lizzie, I stumbled across you, um, as I do with most people on this podcast. <laughs> um, you had put something up. I, I I don't know originally why I followed you, but clearly it was meant to be. And mm. you'd put something up about being comfortable being single. And I thought, oh, mm. that's, you know, I'll flick that to my daughter. And so she started following you. And then you, um, at the end of quarantine or during quarantine, it must have been, we're probably all still in quarantine <laughs> to some degree, <laughs> um, you put up a, a video um, describing how um, you were struggling and lots of women were struggling with addiction to pornography and masturbation during the pandemic, uh, during quarantine. Mm. And my mm-hmm. daughter sent me, you know, one night, you know, she sent me a text and said, oh, my gosh, that girl that you um, told me about, I can't believe how brave and courageous she mm-hmm. is. Did you see her last video? And I said, no. Um, and so I watched it and I thought, wow, you are so honest and um, humble to be able to talk about this topic um, so vulnerably and I am so grateful for your voice so that's what mm. I would love to talk about with you today on the podcast yeah absolutely and it's definitely a grace honestly like just five months ago I was not comfortable talking about it and yet 
mm-hmm. I've like felt God call me to start sharing this story and sharing with other women who feel alone with me in this and so especially in this time where it's becoming even a bigger issue so I'm really mm-hmm. excited to chat with you about it today yeah well that's one of the one of my questions was how um can you talk about this so openly and honestly I mean mm. it's such a hard topic and yeah. I, it's clearly grace that's that's all you can put it down to really isn't it mm-hmm it's like just grace and mercy and knowing like I've been surrounded by a lot of people who have poured out a lot of love into helping me heal. And um, I know so many women don't have the community and the sport that I have. And so to be that voice and to be that for other women, Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't be where I am today in my healing process if I didn't have people around me teaching me that like, it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to work through it and all of that. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to, um fall and pick yourself up again and start again like it that's I suppose Mm -hmm. that's that is the the beauty of um mercy and and confession Mm -hmm. all right so let's get started um beautiful so how how did how does an addiction to pornography come about like is it a a slippery is it a slow kind of um not decline, but is it a slow, slow, a slippery slope or? Mm. Um... It's definitely, it's different for everyone. It's even different down to gender. So men and women, like I've done a little bit of research into it. Men and women become addicted to pornography differently. Um, and like the causes and the effects are different. Um, but for me personally, at least it's, it was a couple of different things that kind of culminated in of being addicted um first it was a computer virus um Mm. I was just doing homework and my mother had actually clicked a link earlier on something that was a virus and so when I went onto the internet when I was just a kid doing homework in like fifth grade um this these videos started popping up and I didn't know what they were um and so I I looked at them and I was confused and it was gross but it was also interesting and I was like just at the stage of learning about like sex and what it was and and so it was like interesting like it was just fascinating and I was just like confused um and it was a mix of that and then also I went to a school where I was made fun of for being the naive one for the one who didn't know anything or whatever it might be so I actually started to google stuff just so that I would I could I could finally be included right I wouldn't be the one who was made fun of and so I would google stuff um and that's when I really stumbled upon pornography and there's just something about it that it is very addictive and it was filling a hole that like this loneliness and this whatever that was like inside and I could turn to it um I could turn to it in books I could turn to it in videos I could turn to it in whatever it might be um yeah and from there it just kind of like got worse and worse and worse to the point where in like eighth grade and freshman year of high high school I was watching it almost every single day or reading it almost every single day um yeah so 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 as a mother what Mm -hmm. so you'd go into your room at night or what what, how did you have access yeah just the family computer or was it a phone or it was my phone um I I would have never done it on a family computer Mm -hmm. but I um it was my phone most definitely and it was just saying like I had a lot of homework or I was tired and so I would just go back to my room um every single day after dinner and it's obviously like my parents are like very loving and intentional and holy people and I was really good at hiding it so they had no clue or I would stay up very late 
Um, and so they thought I was asleep, so they didn't think anything of it. Mm. Um, yeah. How, how did you wrestle with that? Um, like, how did it make you feel for starters? Mm, yeah. And, then, in the... and Sorry, how did you wrestle? No, 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 you're right. And how did you wrestle with the uh, double life, so to speak? Yeah, it was, it was really difficult. I think there was a lot of shame in just like keeping it to myself. And it's so interesting because I started as a way to like prove to others that I'm not as innocent or whatever as they said I was. Mm-hmm. And yet I, it was never something I even brought, like they had these people had no clue and I would never have told them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was this, yeah, it was definitely this like double life of during the day, especially in high school, I was that perfect life teen girl that perfect like high school ministry girl like yeah. everyone knew me as the church girl as the Christian girl um as the good Catholic one um and yet at night like I had this like deep sin and this deep woundedness that I really struggled with and so it just created a lot of shame and self-hatred honestly and um in the beginning I think especially like sixth to like seventh eighth grade I didn't necessarily know that it was bad like no one had taught me what pornography was or what masturbation was and why it was a sin Um, but there was a part of me that knew it was wrong and knew I needed to hide it and knew it was a bad thing and like if I was caught it would be a bad thing Um, and it wasn't until high school when I started going to like high school conferences and big youth ministry things um, that I started to learn about it and started to realize that it was actually like a, a it was a it was a sin and it was a big sin. And I was, and, and so then starting to wrestle with that and telling myself I wouldn't do it anymore and going a couple of days and then falling back into it and um, still wanting to keep it a secret. It was, there was, it was just a lot of anxiety and just like darkness and shame and fear. Um, and a lot of, yeah, just shame of people like seeing one side of me hmm. and hiding another yeah wow mm-hmm. uh, how I mean you clearly now don't have the I mean shame we still all carry shame but you're able mm-hmm. to use that um and not let it bury you mm-hmm. um I loved what you said in one of your little videos how um men you know men are kind of expected to have a pornography addiction mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. and they kind of suffer together in a club and you know they they help mm-hmm. each other that way but women suffer in isolation I think you mm-hmm. said something like a prison a, a, a lonely prison or something like that I thought it was yeah the analogy that I've been told before and I as someone who's experienced it feel it's very true is for men it's like they're in prison but they're in prison together um but for women they're in prison but they're in they're in isolation chambers um, yeah and so no one knows that ever like the other women around them are struggling with it and it's fascinating because it's at, we're at a point now where one in every two slash three out of four men struggle with pornography. And it used to be one out of five women, but now it's almost one out of every two women struggles with pornography, especially in like Western cultures. Um, and so it's pretty much like every other woman at this point has some struggle or watches pornography or, mast- or masturbates or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, and so it's crazy that every woman feels so alone and feels so isolated and yet there are millions of women who are all in the same boat. Why do you think that is like now that it, it has become quite mm. prevalent? Mm-hmm. Do you, um, do I, I was just trying to wrestle with this myself, you know, 
before I was um, going to speak with you. And I thought, what, what draw drives women? Because we're not visual kind of people, are we? We're mm-hmm. very, we're quite uh, guarded, mm-hmm. you know, heart. You know, we're kind of internal. Um, and- yeah, I mean, like I said, it it is different for everyone. But I think mm. what's so important is there. I think has been this stigma, and for a very long time in the church and just in the world in general that women are pure or or like women don't struggle as much or that women uh, with sexual desires or women are less sexual beings than men and yet it's just like a fact that men and women like we as human beings like are sexual beings and God gave us a sexual desire and like that is a good Mm. thing like that is a gift Mm. from God it's just when it's like not properly ordered and it's not in a like loving committed married relationship that it becomes um, a disordered thing but at the end of the day like we are human and it, it is like women are sexual just as men are um, and so it, there is that desire and so when you're confused or when you're feeling lonely or when you're struggling with like what sexuality is or like what you're feeling or whatever it might be it is like a it's almost like a comforting thing to turn to and a lot of women um, what it comes down to is pornography can be a it's a coping mechanism and it's the same for Mm -hmm. masturbation it's almost Mm -hmm. like self-soothing in a lot of ways and so if you're not taught how to cope with different things or different traumas or whatever it might be um, that's where pornography comes in so like for example with me um, it was just a coping mechanism for loneliness um, Mm -hmm. And if you actually, there's proof that women, um, the pornography that women looks at tend to be more relationally focused. So there's more of a story. Um, and that's why women actually, there's a lot of reading or like okay. watching YouTube videos um, of like relationships. Um, and so that's what's really interesting. It, it's it's things like okay. Fifty Shades of Grey or like the book that like there's a full romance attached to it and uh-huh. sex is just a part of it, that ro- like relational aspect whereas for men it's just more of that visual experience okay well that's that makes more sense mm-hmm. to me because I was just thinking you know that uh not hardcore but you know that visual pornography so that mm. there's it's more of women tend to um look more at relational relationship mm. and yeah falling in love and what they think it's all meant to be like yeah and oftentimes um like there are women it's honestly there are women on every spectrum and so I don't want it to mm. just be like yeah just say yeah, sorry for relationship yeah no only because like I know a lot of um for example the more that you watch pornography the more that it's like with any drug if I consume um cocaine every single day I'm gonna have to start having more of it to yeah. have the same high as the original high um, and it actually is the same. There's science to prove it. It's the same thing with pornography addiction. So you actually have to consume more intense and more of the same amount of pornography to experience the same high as the original. And so that's why when women might start relationally, but then like it gets more graphic or it gets more visual because uh-huh. it is an addictive thing. And you it um, and that's where like it moves on beyond just like looking at relational stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get you now. Thank mm-hmm. you for clarifying. It's There's like a lot of like psychology <laughs> to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes pure sense actually. Mm-hmm. It's really um, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you were saying, you know, when you first started um, as a year eight girl, mm-hmm. it was more, um, you didn't actually know it was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but did you have and your con but your conscience would tell you that this isn't actually like if I got found out I'd be embarrassed yeah and there, there was shame attached to that mm-hmm. so so um the continuation of it yes it becomes an addiction but was the addiction more to uh, you know put me down if I'm wrong but mm-hmm. this lust for self-loathing like were you wanting like did it turn into I'm not good enough so therefore this is you know this is what I deserve no but it was almost just like a it's more the it it wasn't that but it was I'm too weak to stop Um, right it's never gonna go away it's just something I'm always gonna struggle with um were the lies that just constantly repeated in my head because every time I tried to stop um it would just be that and then I'd fall back into it and then that lie would come back of you're too weak to stop and this is never gonna go away this is who you are um Mm. And, and that, like, looking back, I know was the devil, like, trying to keep me in this, like, cycle of shame and sin, um, when God was there. And that's what, like, really blows me away, looking back, like, as I was sitting there, and as I was sitting in it, and as I was watching it, and as I was masturbating, and all of those moments, like, Jesus was right next to me, and he was Mm -hmm. there in that, and he was loving me in that, and I just think it's, like, the most spectacular thing to like look back Mm -hmm. on because I was in such a dark place and I Mm -hmm. felt so far from him and so weak and yet like he was right there the whole time Um, so how did he break through for you mm, yeah it was a it was a slow process that was a part I mean it was just me growing in faith in general um but there was a big breakthrough my senior year of high school um and this woman who I actually really looked up to prayed over me um and in that so moment did she, did she know no she had no clue uh-huh. um but she like had a really profound experience praying over me and was essentially like Lizzie I've never heard the voice of God more clearly and yet all I got but I heard him very clearly say like don't worry I have her um mm. and it was like a very freeing moment um and it was just like a very radical healing where it was immediately gone and the desire for masturbation and pornography was gone um and it was pretty much like four years of it I just didn't struggle with it at all and so it was a time where I like I just yeah I was like okay Jesus miraculously healed me this is great um and this was a huge breakthrough and I but I and I did find like oh if I the further away from Jesus I was like the like the temptation would come back and that was like a sign that like oh shoot you know like my prayer isn't as good as it used to be or whatever it might be um Mm -hmm. but it's actually fascinating because in quarantine and in this time um of just like intense loneliness um and isolation and just confusion and anxiety it has come back full force and I was so mad at God I was like Jesus you took this away why are you why is it back um I'm done with this I shouldn't be struggling with this anymore and I'm just realizing now like God took it away at that time because I wasn't mentally or spiritually at a place where I could fight that um but now I'm in a time where he wants me to like truly heal from this and Mm. truly work with him in it um and heal and and almost like heal with the women around me who are also struggling with it so the breakthrough is it's still happening honestly um and it happens like every single time like every night when I say no it's a new breakthrough um Mm. or every night like I learn a new technique um of like a better healthier holier coping mechanism 
um, or whatever it might be. So, yeah. What, what can you do to, what are your like little, um, you know, ways of overcoming your addiction? Do you have little, um, kind of a mantra or do you, you know, keep things out of your room or what, what do you do? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that I do. I don't have my lot. Like now that I have a laptop too, I, I usually don't sleep with my laptop in my room. Um, there's a lot of preventative stuff I do, so I don't even get to the point of temptation. So mm-hmm. like working out daily is a big thing. I don't work out every day. I'm not that great, but working <laughs> out is very helpful because it helps in your mindset and it just helps release like dopamine. Um, and it's almost that like a new form of release. Um, daily prayer, uh, regularly receiving the sacraments and like go- receiving the Eucharist, not just on Sundays or regularly going to confession, things like that, just so that like my mind is constantly in a sanctified place. Um, and like just making sure I'm being relational. So like at the beginning, I was at quarantine, I wasn't good at talking with people, I wasn't good at catching up with people. And so I was very lonely. And so I was mm-hmm. falling back into it. Um, so now I'm like constantly FaceTiming my friends, I'm making new Catholic friends um, in my area, I'm really intentional about spending time with my family. Um, and then my a huge thing is not letting myself get tired. So I don't stay up late. Because if you like stay up late one night, the next day, you're more tired. And when you're tired, your defenses are lower. Um, mm. And that's a big thing. Um, and then the biggest thing that I do for myself is actually tracking my menstrual cycle. Because as a woman, um, we're different than men in that like once a month for a week, our body is telling us to reproduce. Our body is like, this is the time. Mm. This is the optimal time to make a baby. And so it's actually our hormones. We're being flooded with essentially the desire to procreate, the desire to be united to a person. And so it's really important to know when that time of ovulation is coming um, because then I can be more aware. Like, so I know I'm ovulating this weekend. So therefore, like, I know I'm going to struggle with, I'm going to be more tempted um and so what can I do okay I need to go to bed early I maybe I need to give my mom my phone before I go to bed um things like that Uh, Mm -hmm. so that's like a lot of preventative stuff that I do yeah that's great Mm -hmm. um have you gone have you gone on any of those websites that purity is possible and um uh I think there is another one I can't remember what it was called Mm. um I think Matt Fred doesn't he have like an accountability kind of yeah um, Matt Fred has an accountability app right now it's just for men um I I heard potentially that he was maybe doing something for women um but as of right now it's not out there and I think that's like one of my greatest and that's why I'm honestly feeling more and more passionate about sharing it on my platform is most of the Catholic resources out there right now for pornography and masturbation addiction are for men in the church. And there's not a lot out there for women um, that are designed specifically like by women for women to help them. And so. Uh I see, I see a little mm -hmm. window of opportunity for you there. Exactly. It is something (laughs) that I'm definitely like thinking about and moving towards. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there is a website called purity is possible. Have you seen that? No, I don't think I have. I know oh. about um, the whole Porn Kills Love hmm. ministry um, and it's uh, Fight the Pond. New Drug. Ah, yeah, is, that's right. Yeah, is yeah. a really great resource and they actually do a really great job of um, 
having is it called the li- new drug is that the name it's of it? like yeah i think it's like fight the new drug mm-hmm. uh i believe and they do a lot with helping um creating women's and men's resources and they're like one of the only places that i've seen do it well yeah so i mean that's a shame that the, there's not mm. there aren't much there isn't much resource for women out there who are struggling with this yeah um, <laughs> yeah and because I, as you say it's quite prevalent it's yeah not, exactly it's not something that's uh you know few and far between yeah and i think that's something that I'm beginning to realize even the more and more I talk about it on my Instagram, like I'm getting thousands of messages a week from women um, essentially just telling me that I'm the first person they've talked to about this or they felt comfortable sharing this with. Um, mm. And it, yeah, it's easily been probably 5,000 women, if not more, since I shared my video only a couple months ago, um, just yeah. with my own testimony. And it's fascinating though, because with each of them, they're like, I have no one to talk to. And I encourage them to tell a girlfriend who they trust. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, no, I don't want them to judge me. I don't want them to view me differently. And I always say, I guarantee you, if you tell that woman, there's a 50% chance, if not higher, that she's going to say, me too. Like, mm. I also struggle with this. Or I did struggle with this. Or, I, yeah, I watched this in the past. Like, there are very few women who aren't affected by this at this point. Um, and it's so sad, but it's something that ne- we need to talk about. We need to like normalize talking about it so that we can heal and yeah. grow. Yeah. And, and I, I heard you say that your mum is your mm. accountability partner. Yeah. That is so is. beautiful. Go mum. <laughs> Sorry. I, you broke up a little bit. I didn't hear ah, what you said. <laughs> I said, that is so beautiful. Go mum. Like what yeah. an amazing mother. Oh, yeah. I am highly, highly, highly blessed to have that woman in my life. She is such a gift um, and probably one of my biggest inspirations when it comes to my faith and just an accountability partner for my faith in general. Um, But yeah, she like comes in often is like, what can I do for you? Or like, like it's I think a really good accountability partner is someone who doesn't wait for you to talk to them because a lot of times you don't want even even though you know they're your accountability partner you're like I don't yeah. want to inconvenience them I don't want to share this I'm embarrassed whatever and so she's so good at like coming in and just being like hey how have you been doing with this like what's going on um and all of that and so it's been such a huge blessing in quarantine to have her with me oh how beautiful mm-hmm. now can we go can we go back to confession yeah because I know I know confession's never fun at the best of times <laughs> Yes. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't really enjoy going to confession, and I know it's not. I'm not alone there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you go with sins, you know, like shame, I want to kind of speak into how shame has, in the past, prevented you from seeking mm-hmm. mercy and forgiveness, mm-hmm. and how now. I mean, I'm sure you don't run to confession, but you sh- we should, shouldn't we? Mm-hmm. How, how has your how has confession been? Um, so healing for you yeah it is the number it is the most healing part of my journey it's like the most important part of my healing process I would not be here if it wasn't for confession um but it took me a very very long time to confess it for the first time I it's and it's so funny because every woman I've talked to who struggles with pornography addiction has done the same thing but it's comical of Right before you go to confession, you know you need to confess it, but you don't want to. So you make a deal with Jesus. You're like, Jesus, I, I like, 
obviously I I'm not gonna say it out loud I won't confess this but like you know in my heart that I'm sorry and I promise I won't do it again and I just won't do it again so I don't have to confess it um and I mean I did that for Hmm. four years (laughs) um and so it was actually in the time that um (laughs) my that friend prayed over me right before she had prayed over me was the first time I had ever confessed it to a priest. Um, And it was like one of the scariest, Mm. honestly, probably one of the scariest things I've ever done. And the priest was so, I'm so blessed that he was so patient because I was just sitting in the confessional, like weeping and I wasn't even saying anything. And he was just like sitting there, like wasn't pushing Mm -hmm. me. He was just like letting me take my time to get it out. And I finally got it out. Um, and it was literally, it was so incredible. He was just like, oh, oh, my daughter, like, praise God. I'm so happy that you came to me with this. And I'm so happy that you had the courage to confess it. And what he told me, um, honestly, mm. I think saved me because I'm the kind of person that expects per- perfection from myself. And so if I confessed it, with mm. it right, like I confessed it, we're, we're, we're Gucci, I did it. I get to move on now. Um, but what he said to me was this, he said, Lizzie, um, like, I am so proud of you for confessing. That was such a huge step to confess this for the first time, but I want you to know that this is a real addiction and this isn't, this isn't going to be a one-time thing. It's not just going to be this. And then you're never going to struggle with it again. Um, I want you to continuously like have the courage to come back to confession every single time you fall like Mm -hmm. you are never you never confess this too much you're never too much for priests it's never gross it's never shameful like just keep coming back to confession every single time and like don't be ashamed of it um and that like was so radical for me because and and every time I like would fall and I'd be like oh gosh I don't want to go back to confession this is so embarrassing or like I know it's gonna be the same priest I confessed the last time and I should be over it at this point or whatever it might be um that would come into my brain of no Lizzie go every single time it is never an inconvenience it's always important and you're always welcome here like that like every time the devil tried to lie and tell me I shouldn't go to confession or tell me it was too embarrassing or tell me I like it was bad or too shameful to confess like that truth would constantly come back Mm. into my mind and I would know and I would go and I would go and so now I'm at a point where I go the next day so pretty much if I fall one night I'm I'm in the confessional the next day um to get it off my chest how yeah that's so beautiful what a what what a beautiful priest that Mm. you are so blessed to yeah to speak with I mean, it was Jesus through the priest, but I'm sure that um, mm-hmm. not all, I mean, I know for me personally, um, confession can be, uh, if you mm-hmm. don't go to your regular conf- confessor, it, it's, it can be hit and miss. I know your mm-hmm. sins are forgiven regardless, but um, what the priest says does sometimes affect um, your re- that you, you react to it and it yeah. can affect your <laughs> willingness to go back to confession or to confess yeah. those sins again and um, what what a beautiful um, priest that yeah. you and honestly it's one of my greatest heartbreaks is when I hear people who are too afraid to go back to confession because of an experience they have and I know so many I have so many people in my life who that exact thing has happened where they've confessed something and the priest didn't react well or whatever it might be and obviously like we have to recognize that these priests are human and they're not perfect um but it is so hard and it can be so frustrating 
Um, but just like if I'm the person that tells you like go back, like find a new priest, go to a different church, go to a priest who you trust and like just try again um, because it is like the most mm-hmm. important and radical part of healing, especially from an addiction like this. Um, because it's in speaking it out loud that you gain power over it and you take the power away from the devil. Like speaking it out loud, saying the words pornography and masturbation, it removes so much shame. It really takes you out of your darkness. It takes you out of like the mental game, the mental fight where you're in it alone. As soon as you speak it out loud, it's like in the light. Mm. And so that's why confession is so important. It's not just like radical mercy and forgiveness, which is a part of it, but there's also like the psychological aspect of like, speaking it out and like knowing that you have control over it and it's it's a it's a radical thing um and it's really beautiful wow yeah um i know you you mentioned it before about your um did you say you were a people pleaser Mm -hmm. and you don't like you know the what the priest said to you was that um you were it's not mm-hmm. it's not going to be over it's not a one one mm-hmm. one confession fix this is going mm-hmm. to be something you're going to live with i think that uh sets you up for it's okay not okay to fail but it's i have to pick myself up again mm-hmm. even when i do fail i think that is yeah. so important too especially for girls who don't mm-hmm. like not being perfect <laughs> and don't like n- not having you know oh, not yeah. having it all together um can you can you repeat what he said to you Sorry, again? Can you, if you say remember, that one more time you broke up a little bit. Sorry, could you repeat what the priest said to you after confession? Yeah, of course. One more time, just um, to he he essentially just said something along the lines of, "Like you coming to the confessional is not an inconvenience, and this is not a one time thing, um, and this is going to be a battle that you're going to have to be fighting, and you will." F- probably fall many times after this but each time come back to the confessional and like he he was like we want you here like priests want you in the confessional um we want you to keep coming back like you yeah I it was a really spectacular thing for me to hear Mm. um that like I yeah and to be told I'm human is so important like I'm like to be told I'm going to fall and it's yeah, okay exactly. to be human like, Lizzie you are going to fall back into this like I I and I at first I my immediate reaction was like no I'm not <laughs> what no I'm not gonna fall this time and it was so it was so funny yeah. that like my instant reaction was no don't tell me what to do I I tell me what to this. do <laughs> I'm strong like I can fight this um but to be honest like the most radical healing that I've found is when I finally like come came to the conclusion that I am not strong enough to fight this by myself like I can't do this alone like this is not a battle I win alone um I need God I need grace I need mercy and I need like an accountability partner and I need the people around me um and I need like personal development and I need a spiritual director you know like this and that's what he at the end of the day that's what he showed me is like I will not be perfect in this fight and I like admitting that I am not perfect and that I need grace and that I'm weak um is like the first step towards Mm. healing and actually beating this yeah yeah 
I mean, women today are, are fed the lie that mm. they have to be perfect mm-hmm. and they can have it all and they can do everything, um, but at the uh, expense of their femininity because, you know, you can't do it all mm-hmm. and have children, mm-hmm. you know, or be a mother. Um, but um, we're also encouraged to nurture these selfish mm-hmm. kind of desires. I know I was watching my girls and I were watching um, my Yorkshire <laughs> no, farm. I haven't. Have you seen that? I don't know if you've got it in the States. Oh, my goodness, it is so beautiful. It's only two seasons long and it's it follows this um, shepherd fa- a family who um, are shepherds in oh, the hills oh. in England and um, they have nine children and it, it's just so empowering for women, women. So this woman has nine children oh. and she's a shepherdess and her husband adores her. Like he's, he's, he's fan, his heart, like he's, he expects a lot, mm. but he gives a lot. And she's the same. She expects a lot, but she gives a lot. And it is, it's, it is such a fantastic oh, that um, show. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Look, look it up. You'll love it. Anyway, during I never watched telly, but we I couldn't get it like um, free to air telly, um, so I had to watch mm-hmm. it with ads. Anyway, I don't watch ads, and these ads were every single ad popped up this new um, this thing that's happening in February called Selfish mm. Sessions. You know, yeah, Selfish Sessions. It was this promotion of you know, it was like a a self-love mm-hmm. festival and I couldn't like promoting being selfish mm-hmm. and, and we kind mm-hmm. of like um, mm-hmm. nurture that and, you know, up all mm-hmm. those voids in your life that it's going to make, make you more of a woman. Um, how do we, con- you know, how does pornography kind of, change the female brain or or, or how does it affect yeah it's actually there's a lot of really interesting psychology with that um the biggest thing that it does for women is it actually essentially like convinces them that they are a sexual object and so you find that women start Mm. to they have found that women actually start to objectify themselves and see themselves as sexual beings and essentially like put their worth in their sexuality and in their like ability to attract men and in your ability to um, please men. Um, And so that's like the number one thing is Mm. it actually, it leads to women usually being like more submissive to men, which is just crazy because that's, I feel like so much of the modern rhetoric is that if you watch pornography as a woman, you're going to free yourself from the patriarchy or whatever it might be. But actually, yeah. the psychology says the exact opposite. Um, and then on top of it, they actually find that the more you watch rape, the less, sorry, the more you watch pornography, the less likely you are to recognize a situation as, as rape. Um, and so it actually encourages a lot of rape culture. And it um, essentially like tries to convince women that like what they experience and what they've gone through isn't really rape. And so there's a lot of like cognitive dissonance that happens where women like struggle with I was in a situation where that didn't exactly feel consensual, but I don't know, like I've seen videos about it and in the videos, like it was, it was like the woman Mm. liked it and she ended up liking it. And so maybe like, that's what it was supposed to be and whatever it might be. Um, And so it's just like really interesting that it's, 
it's actually leading to women being more objectified by men and more used and more self-conscious and more insecure. Um, yeah. And, and I have found like, that's a huge thing that I've had to heal from is like this intense insecurity and this, like seeing my worth and like my, my body and my ability to like, are men attracted to me? Um, am I, is my body something that men would desire? Like that is something that I've really had to like work through and heal from because of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's huge. I mean, we we all have insecurities mm-hmm. about our body, and by you know, kind of like the culture is telling us that this is something that we don't even have to fight. Like this isn't mm-hmm. you don't need embrace to fight it. this. You need to embrace this, and really, it's yeah. enslaving us. It's even really more. interesting, especially because like I remember at the beginning of quarantine, it was a random thing that popped up on my Instagram recommended feed, and it was essentially like the benefits of masturbation during quarantine and I had not Hmm. like it wasn't like I hadn't struggled with it like I said for four years like it it was something that was so out of my mind at this point and that one post Hmm. put it back into my brain and so it was like so funny because that was meant to be like oh look at how freeing this is going to be during your quarantine but it actually just brought me right back Hmm. into slavery um, and it was became this like addictive thought process that I had again. And it was like, I had to constantly fight it. And then I fell into it. And it was just so frustrating that like, they they taught it as something that was liberating. And yet it actually is something that like, brought me back into a slavery that I a form of slavery that I thought I had overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Um, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. One post for, mm-hmm. you know, after four years, you don't realize the... Um, how how uh yeah what's the word I'm going to use how um maybe triggering oh I kind of I was about to say enslaving no, yeah but mm, but how mm-hmm. sinister how sinister mm-hmm. the devil is in his a, a way mm-hmm. to lure you back in you know like yes and yet God like used that like used it to create something really beautiful right like it was so it's so interesting because at first I was so disheartened and I was so upset and I was so angry at myself. Um, but it was so like interesting how radically Jesus was able to shift my mindset because it showed me like, oh, mm. shoot, like actually there are stuff, there's still stuff that I I thought I was over, but I, I really need to heal. And I hadn't done like the work to mm. heal from this. And so it's actually made my relationship with like falling into this and having this sin and having this struggle it's like I suffered for however, like eight years. Um, and yet that suffering has led to a really profound relationship with the Lord and a really like intense reliance upon him mm. that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And then more than that, it's mm. like the suffering that he gave me has now allowed me to like empathize with millions of women who are also in this. And like, it's so it's like, it's actually like, I'm realizing what a gift that was like yes it was this horrible sin and yes it's something I'm still fighting um but like God is using it for his glory and and I think that that... he uses Mm -hmm. every single thing it's so the tender heart have you if you were to describe what do you like most about him what's what's one just one thing how would you describe his heart that is (laughs) so good I mean 
Like if if you just one word to describe uh, Jesus's heart, probably what beloved would it be? is the first thing that comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. Jesus and I have definitely had a little romance, um, <laughs> of just like him yeah. wooing me, especially as I realized like a huge part of the struggle for me was loneliness and this desire to be in relationship. Um, and Jesus is so, so much. So, he's yeah, he's just so tender and, uh, and just making me realize that like the relationship that I really desire is is not with a man; it's with him. Um, and the more that I get to know him, and the more that I love him, and I, yeah, like his personality and his quirkiness and the fact that he was funny and like a little mm-hmm. sarcastic, like all these little things mm-hmm. that I'm learning with about Jesus, like it, it's like filling that hole. Yeah, it makes him endearing. I see him as such a beloved, as such a friend, um, as just yeah. Okay, here's another one that I haven't uh, prepped you for. (laughs) No, just as Mm -hmm. a Catholic, a Catholic woman. I mean, we see Our Lady as Mm -hmm. perfect and pure Mm -hmm. and immaculate. How how do do you reconcile with that? Like, how how do you approach Our Lady? Does is she like was that I, a big a hurdle, big hurdle for me I mean she... I always loved her and I'm really blessed that I it's never like I saw her and resented her um but I did I think there was mm. almost like an envy um and a little bit of a frustration I I actually remember I dated this guy for like one month and it was such a short period of time but he just like very clearly he essentially like wrote a poem comparing me to like the purity of Mary and I remember sitting there as he read this to me just like sitting in anxiety and guilt and shame because I was like I am so so far away from the like the virgin pure mother like I am nothing like her I am Mm. the exact opposite of her actually like and and so there was a lot of almost like comparison and just like feeling like I'll never be good enough like if she's the standard for women I am just like so far off. Um, and so like, there's been a lot of healing in our relationship and I've just been reading a lot and I've done the consecration of Mary. Um, and actually a huge thing that helped me heal in my relationship with Mary was I read a book about Mary Magdalene, um, who is a woman who struggled with mm. sin, who wasn't perfect, who I, I very much so like love her and relate to her and feel connected to her. And so, like, that's how I've honestly connected to Jesus as a woman who struggles with, like, temptation is through, like, reading Mary Magdalene. Um, Mm. But I read this book, and it was essentially, like, what it must have been like for Mary Magdalene to meet Mary and what a joy it must have been for her and how much she must have, like, been in awe of this woman and, like, had this struggle of feeling unworthy and yet the desire to be like her and just the desire to be embraced by her and, like, see her as a mentor. Um... And that was such a beautiful perspective Mm. shift for me of like, ah, I could just be embraced by this woman and like, just allow her to like almost rub off on me. Like if I'm surrounding myself by Mary and if I'm whatever, then like her goodness and her purity is going to rub off on me and I'm going to learn from her and grow with her. Um, So, yeah. That's such a beautiful perspective. I've never, ever thought of, how Mary Magdalene would feel yeah, in the presence it was, of Our it was Lady. A spectacular book. <laughs> how mm-hmm. humbling. What's it oh, called? Yeah, Do you remember what it was called? It's called Mary Magdalene, Prophetess of Eucharistic Love. It is one of the most spectacular books I've ever read. Okay. It, like spiritual. 
Um, Who wrote he it? is a priest. Yeah. Don't worry. He's I, a I can French look it priest. up. No, I, can. I know that. Prophetess. Um, Eucharistic Prophetess love. Of? It was actually written to be like a Eucharistic adoration mm-hmm. reflection. Um, but it's just also just, yeah, mm-hmm. about Mary Magdalene. And I, yeah, I honestly like the history is now showing that maybe she didn't even struggle with prostitution or lust or anything like that. And yet I cling to her so much oh. as just like a woman we're so we're lucky so lucky in our catholic faith to have you know we've got so many people there's you know mm-hmm. there's someone handpicked for each of us that we can you know we're so diverse but so um unified it's gorgeous there's someone for everyone that we can lean on and help oh, us yeah. get to heaven and yeah have... mary magdalene has definitely been that for me um yeah she's incredible <laughs> else you'd like to say before we um bore, not bore but before we kind of um wrap up our time yeah, here together? I think I just like want to reaffirm what I've been saying this whole time but like if this is something that you struggle with if you struggle with pornography and masturbation like you are not alone like you are seen and known by God he is with you in this he is like next to you in this and he he's fighting this battle with you and he desires to help you um, and there are so many women around the world who are with you in this fight. Um, but it's also not a battle that you can win alone. Like we need to like create a community of women who like come together and fight this together. And it's okay to seek help. It's okay to seek a therapist. It's okay to like seek a friend's assistance. It's okay to go to a priest and seek spiritual direction. Like God desires us to seek help in the people around us. Like he gives us the people around us to help us in our journey to heaven like we don't Mm. get to heaven alone um so yeah I just like really want to reiterate that because it's I was just so afraid to go to people he's given us confession um what was your what was your first like walking up to like how were you feeling oh my goodness just like (laughs) dread the sense of just pure dread it's so funny because it's like no matter how I've confessed it an endless amount of times at this point but not endless, mm. but I've confessed mm. it so many times. And yet every single time there's like so much dread, but each time it has gotten easier. Um, but the first time after refalling back into it, it was definitely really hard. And I didn't go back the next day. It took me like three days. And so I didn't get to receive the Eucharist on Sunday. Cause I was like, I can't receive the Eucharist. <laughs> so I had to like sit through that. And that was embarrassing. Mm. That was hard. My whole family was like, what's going on. Um, but <laughs> yeah like just the feeling of dread and just like oh, I really don't want to have to talk about this and yet it's so funny that I it, I went and I said it to the priest and it was it was like he was hearing any other thing it was like he it was like he was hearing that I just said like I gossiped or I told a white lie like it was as if it was anything else mm-hmm. and he just spoke to me and he didn't view me any differently he's my parish priest and it's like not like our relationship has changed you know it was so it's just like so funny that I built it up to be this huge thing in my head and then it actually was so simple and easy and nonchalant honestly yeah how beautiful I heard something the other day and I'm going to totally (laughs) butcher it but uh you'll get you'll get the idea um I think it was um Saint Faustina that um our Lord had was Mm -hmm. appearing you know was speaking to her and um and then she went and told her mother superior or, and and 
she oh no her her priest and he said well next time you I, I'm not sure if this is correct like I don't I think it's Saint oh. Christina I'm not sure next time he appears to mm-hmm. you ask him what was the last thing you last sin you confessed in confession and so when um Jesus did appear she asked him and he said I can't mm-hmm. remember it was the spiritual director it wasn't he Isn't like that beautiful t- yeah the spiritual director was essentially like have Jesus tell me tell you what I last confessed which I think is so funny so it was like that's right that's right what did I confess tell me Uh, it's so classic yeah oh my goodness Uh, I love that story yeah and 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 I love it I can't remember (laughs) I just thought Mm -hmm. isn't that beautiful now you tell oh no yeah it was it's literally just say Faustine in the beginning no one was believing her that she was like very clearly hearing the voice of Jesus and so she went to her spiritual director and he was very yeah just like non-believing and and so that's like exactly yeah. it of yeah next time Jesus speaks yeah. to you ask okay. him what my what I last confessed and so she's like okay and she did it <laughs> and that's what he said Jesus said I, I can't remember which I love it's like it really oh. is a clear slate like we're truly given like a we're start we, we truly get to start yeah. over every single time um and that's why like I've really been working on reframing my mindset around confession so it's not like there isn't any dread or embarrassment or shame it's just like okay this is like a restart button and like changing the rhetoric around it is has helped a lot Hmm. yeah and get the big ones ones out first yeah for sure sometimes they start with the small and they're like anything else and you're just like oh yep okay wait here it is (laughs) (laughs) this is why I'm actually here sorry about it you ready (laughs) those are all just things like (laughs) are you holding on (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) oh it's been an absolute delight speaking to you I am so Mm. grateful for your courageous voice to fight this um addiction that so many women and girls Mm. fight Mm -hmm. in silence against pornography and masturbation so thank you thank you Mm. thank you from the bottom of my heart thank you for speaking on the podcast today now I haven't told you this either at mm-hmm. the end of every podcast, I ask my guests if they can tell me something that brought mm. them joy this week. So if you'd like to think about it, I can go first or you're more Ooh, than you welcome go to go first. I'm trying to think. Okay. Okay. Um, what brought me joy this week is a, um, mm. a new book that I am reading. I'm just going over <laughs> here to get it. <laughs> It's the Eight mm. Doors of the Kingdom um, oh, by Jacques that man Philippe. Is amazing. Oh. Everything he writes is just so, so simple mm-hmm. but profound. So, oh, that's grab amazing. A copy that brought that's brought me joy. Oh, oh, and the borders that have been open to Queensland, so we're we're able to go oh, up yeah. to on our holiday, our family holiday, finally. So that's brought me a lot of joy, and I'll be taking the eight. Oh doors yeah, that is so me. exciting! I'm so jealous. <laughs> Ooh, okay, let me think. <laughs> I would actually say two things come to mind. One, my favorite coffee shop here in Los Angeles, actually, um, their outdoor seating just reopened. And it is one of my like great joys in life to go to coffee shops and sit there all day and like do some work, but just like read books and just like talk with the baristas. Uh, you're oh, gonna yeah. love coming to Australia. It is, like, really are. So that was one thing that like I finally got to go back and just sit. I literally sat there for like five hours and just like read and chatted with some people and all that. 
Um, and then another great joy of mine is I'm finally, after moving back to Southern California, um, starting to make a group of really solid Catholic friends, especially girlfriends. And so I've been struggling, like I said, with a lot of like just loneliness and a lack of community. And so to find these people has just mm. been such a huge gift. And so last night we actually, the women came together for our first women's Bible study night. And the conversation was just like so good Aww. and engaging and philosophical and fun. Um, and it was just like so rejuvenating. Um, and it was such like a gift yeah. to see God just being like, he promises to me. And so to see his promise come into fruition is so cool. Yeah good you you can't put a price on good oh faithful it's just the most valuable thing it's you could incredible. ever have it truly is hmm. Hmm. yep oh well, i'm so glad you have found <laughs> me <some>. too <laughs> that's, that, that's such a gift it is such mm, a gift hold mm-hmm, on to them with mm-hmm. both hands um well thank you again it was such a thank joy speaking you. with you and i'm sure your future holds many amazing, beautiful, wonderful, and incredible things. So thank you, Lizzie. Wow. (laughs) 